Welcome to the Center Point Pentecostal Church Podcast. We hope that this podcast finds you well and that you are ready for a life-changing message from one of our outstanding and anointed ministers. If you like this podcast, please be sure to give us a follow and a five-star review on your favorite podcasting app. Now let's get to today's message. Um, If you'll turn with me in your Bibles, I think our wonderful sound man, who is Brother T tonight, I think he has our scriptures for us. He does. All right, we're going to look tonight um, in the book of Psalms, chapter 42. We're going to start with verse 1. And I'm reading from the New King James Version, so it might sound a little bit different, but the words mean the same. Amen. Verse 1, and it starts off, As the deer pants for the water, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. While they continually say to me, where is your God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me. For I used to go with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise with a multitude that kept a pilgrim feast. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. O my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan and from the the heights of Hermon, from the hill Mizar. Deep calls unto deep at the noise of your waterfalls. All your waves and billows have gone over me. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. And in the night, his song shall be with me. A prayer to the God of my life. One more time before we're seated, if we could just say a prayer. God, we ask you, Lord, that you would touch each and every one of us tonight. Touch our hearts, God. Prick us tonight. Stir us, Lord. Let this word not fall on ground that is not ready and prepared for you, Lord, because we're here. We're ready to receive you, to receive your word and whatever you have for us. And we thank you, God, for who you are. We thank you for meeting us here once again, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. If I have to have a, a title, I guess, for my, my teaching tonight, um, I would say that the title of this message is Dehydrated. Dehydrated. If Jackson was in here, he would tell you he hears that word a lot because anytime he is not feeling 100%, the first question his nini asks him, that's my mom, is have you drank enough water today? So, and my dad's over here like, yeah, mm-hmm. She asked him that too, and me, and all of us. So... She'll, she's just going to love this. So tonight, I just want to talk to you about what happens when our hearts become dehydrated. So it's absolutely possible because I've been there, and I think many of you have too. And it's absolutely possible to desire and to thirst after God's presence, all the while you're feeling God's absence. And that's the story of the psalmist in that particular scripture that we just read, Psalms 42 verses 1 through 8. Maybe you've read that psalm before. Maybe you've heard it sung before. I know there's a, a hymn that says, as the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longs for you. It's an, it's an old song. We've, we've heard it. We've read it. And every time I read it, I kind of get this like mental picture 
so just go with me for a second. Uh, picture this man who is like walking through a meadow. I don't know why, because I guess the deer, water, you know, you kind of get that visual. But this man is thinking about how in the past, he's like, you know, there was a time when I had so much joy. And something within me at that time motivated me to live for God. I wasn't tired. I wasn't exhausted all the time. I could wake up and go to church and worship. And I, I was motivated, you know. And he asked himself, what happened? He's talking to himself in this passage. What happened? That's what he's asking. What happened to my motivation? And why does it feel like right now I have to be coaxed to do anything extra? Why do I have to be convinced to go to church? Now, I'm not talking about anybody in here. Y'all know, like, when anytime I get any kind of word from the Lord, I'm like, okay, Lord, this is for me. I know that I need this. Um, I've been in a season of exhaustion myself. So if this is you tonight, then you are not alone. But I've experienced places in my life personally where I lacked motivation, and then all of a sudden, God reminds me of who he is. You know, he, he does a work in me, and then the motivation comes back for like a week, two weeks, and then it's like you have to be begged and prodded again to even like show up, you know, to do anything extra. So why are we so exhausted? Why are we so tired? Aren't we supposed to have the joy of the Lord? Doesn't the scripture say the joy of the Lord is my strength and in the presence of the Lord is the fullness of joy? I can quote it. You can probably quote it. We can pray it. I can worship to it. But then when it comes down to applying it, I'm so tired. Does anybody else feel that way? Is it just me? I'm so tired. I'm so exhausted. And I don't know why. I just, I work so hard. And then there's this, difference in all the work that I'm doing and all the result that I'm seeing and it's 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 pitiful I'm doing so much and I'm not getting anything out of it anybody feel that way amen amen I'm not alone thank you but it, it's it's pitiful I'm trying to touch God I'm trying to reach God with my works I'm trying to do everything that I need to do because it's like, hey, Lord, I'm here. You see me? I'm doing all this stuff. I'm, my to-do list, you see, I'm checking it off. And that's not what it's about. I, yeah, I've got places to go. I've got people to see. I've got things to do. I've got people that are waiting on me because there's a lot to be done, right? We're, we're busy. But it's not anything that's going to get me motivated if the relationship with God is not there. And that is of the utmost, like once, once the Lord kind of revealed that to me, it was like, if y'all picture that emoji with the top of his head kind of has smoke coming off, like that was me. Like, Lord, I can't do enough because it doesn't matter what I do. If it's not unto you, it's not unto anybody. It doesn't matter. He wants me more than he wants what I can do. You will remain sick and tired, and thirsty if you cannot get to a place where that internal motivation is bubbling over you and washing over you. The scripture we just read said deep is calling unto deep. The deep things of God. He's calling you right now, and he's saying, look, okay, forget it. Forget the work. Forget the projects. Forget the program. 
And I'm not talking about, we, we need all of that. You know, we know that, thank God, we have a, a mission-minded pastor. Our goal is souls, and we want to win souls, and we want to feed the poor, and we want to clothe those that need clothing, and we want to do everything that we need to do, and we have to do it all right now so that we reach a lost and dying world. But I'm talking about us as people. I'm talking about me, where there's no joy, no peace. You're exhausted all of the time. I'm exhausted. You're exhausted. You're sick and tired of being sick and tired. I heard somebody say that just this week. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. And I thought to myself, why? Why? So I went back to that passage of Scripture in Psalm 42. What David is saying, David says, hey, you know what, Lord? I remember, I remember, I used to go with them to the house of God and with a voice of joy and praise and, and I would sing to you. And I remember that there were times that I, I couldn't wait for song service or I, mean, I couldn't wait for song service practice. And now it's like, I'm dragging. Everywhere I go, I'm dragging. Okay, all right. I got, I got to go to church. It's Sunday. We got to get up. Come on, y'all. Let's go. Everybody's, everybody's mad because nobody slept good last night. So we're, all, we're up. We're going. We don't like each other right now, but we're going because it's Sunday. We got to go to church. <sighs> okay, we got practice. Now I got to go to the prayer room. <sighs> okay, who's going to be in there? Like, do I have to, do I have to talk to them? Do, do I have to do that? I'm just so ready for Sunday to be over because church is exhausting. <laughs> I'm not happy anymore. I'm not happy anymore. God, this is where David is right now. He's not happy. He's remembering how happy he used to be. And he's like, but this is where I am right now. And I don't know what to do. That's what David is saying. He's like, there was a time where I, I would lift my voice with joy and praise. And we read just a few chapters back how David danced in front of the ark. When, when the ark came back from the enemy, the Bible says he took off most of his clothes and he was in his ephod and he danced and people looked at him like what is wrong with David he had the joy of the Lord and he didn't care who saw it but that David is not this David that we just read about this David is he's going through it he's tired he's been through a lot he's he's had enough he's he's lonely he's exhausted same person very different situation. If you study the, the background of, of where David was, this man who danced and didn't care who was watching him, and this David, there's a good while before that passage of Scripture and this passage of Scripture. So he's like asking himself, not even asking God. He's asking himself, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? Why am I depressed? He says, David, why are thou cast down? Oh, my soul. He's talking to himself. The soul feeling cast down, if, if you research it in today's psychology, the soul feeling cast down has a word and it has a name, and it's called depression. And then he says, why art thou disquieted? I did not know what that word meant. Brother Beard said, I'm a teacher, and I am, but I sometimes have to use a dictionary. So I'm like, what does the word disquieted mean? Disquieted means troubled. So David is depressed, he's troubled, he's not calm, he's not settled, thinking, thinking, thinking. That mind is running a thousand miles an hour. Everybody else is worshiping, and here's David. He's thinking, I have so much to do. I, I, everything that has to get done, how am I going to get it done? 
What am I going to do? I can't get my mind to focus. It's just too much. Going and going and going and going. And David is tired. Maybe you've been tired like that before too. Maybe you're feeling tired right that, like that tonight. The passage that we just read says, I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. And I love this because I've read about all these scholars who have developed the art of self-talk. Talk to yourself, encourage yourself, and that's great, but they take credit for it. But really, the first person that we know of that did any kind of positive self-talk was our friend David right here. He's talking to himself and encouraging himself. He's like, okay, yeah, you're depressed. The struggle's real right now. You're, you're, you're really, you're really down. It's really bad right now. You're really tired. And now you're thinking about the past and you're comparing it to now. And, oh, David, like, it, it's bad, okay? But you know what? He says, I know. I remember. I remember how it was the first time I felt the Lord. I remember how it was when I used to leap and jump and I walked around and I had this goofy looking grin on my face and people would be like, what's the matter with you? And I'm like, I got the Holy Ghost. And they're like, okay. And I remember, David remembers. I remember when I didn't have to have a good day to feel good. It could be a rotten day and I could still feel good. Now it has to be a really good day. And then maybe I'll be in a good mood. Maybe. Because y'all know sometimes you wake up and you're like, mm-mm, nope, not today. And you hadn't even stepped out the bed yet. And you're like, nope, mm-mm, not, not happening. Not today. If I smile at you, just know it's, it's fake. Okay? Like, I'm tired. Uh-uh. Don't, don't even. So what's up? What's the deal? David is like telling himself, encouraging himself. He says, hey, soul. Everybody point to yourself and say, hey, soul. Yeah, that's what, exactly what David did. And psychology is calling this self-talk, but we know that our friend David, here, here, here he is. He's telling himself, hey, soul, that's me. I have a rotten life. And everything is going wrong. Everything that can go wrong has gone wrong. But you know what? Hope in God. That's what he says. I don't know how I'm going to keep my head above water. I don't know how I'm going to lift my hand up one more time. I don't know how I'm going to sing one more song in church. I don't know how I'm going to show up one more time. But you know what? I am. I am. I'm going to make myself praise him. I'm going to praise him because no matter what, I've got a choice. And I'm going to make a choice to do something. My body is telling me to go back home, go back to bed, close the door, turn the lights off. My mind has given up. Exhaustion has taken over. It's, it's here, okay? Here's my exhaustion level, but you know what? I'm going to look in the mirror at myself, and I'm going to say, hey, soul, guess what? We're praising God today, okay? We're getting up. We're making the best of it. We're going to church today. I don't care how I feel. I don't care how I look. I don't care what it sounds like. We're going and we're praising God. Amen? Amen. Get up out of the pit. I'm going to remind myself, hey soul, hey soul, for shall my soul yet praise him. David says, oh my God, my soul is cast down. So wait a minute. Hold on. David just said, it's really bad. 
but I'm still going to praise him. But it, it's, it's still really bad. So he's like, he's having a moment. He, he, knows that it, he knows what he has to do, but he's like, yeah, but wait, still. Remember, like, I'm, I'm cast down. I'm, I'm troubled. I'm going through it. I'm struggling. But still he says, yes, I will praise him. My soul is cast down. And therefore, that means in spite of, regardless of what I'm feeling, I remember what he did in the past. And I'm not just going to sit here and remember that God is good and all of that good stuff when my day is good. When my day is sour, when my day is rotten, maybe you had a bad day today. Maybe I had a bad day today. I can tell you, yes, I did have a bad day today. It was not a great day, but that is the type of day that's going to make me, make myself remember all of the good things that God has done for me. I'm going to make myself remember because you have the choice to think about what you think about. You don't have to think about all the bad stuff because if you think about it, guess what? The bad stuff gets worse. What was this much is this much. You done made a molehill into a mountain and everything that was bad is just, oh, now I got to go back home. Don't, nobody look at me. Don't, don't talk to me. Uh-uh, nope, today's been a terrible day. It wasn't a terrible day. It was a terrible five minutes. So let's go ahead and just, okay. Like, it wasn't a terrible day. You had a terrible little blip in your day. It does not change the fact that God is good. And I have to make myself remember. I have to think back to all of the good things that God has done for me. Because God is still God. Amen? He's still on the throne. He can still turn it around in a second. It doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter how I feel. God is in control. And he can take the situation and turn it around. Amen? Amen. The author of this psalm is desiring God's presence so desperately, but he admits, I'm just not feeling it. I don't feel it. I'm, I'm not feeling it. That's what he says. That is step number one to admit it. They always, I've always heard like when you're going through something, the first step in getting over it is admitting that it's there. I'm going to acknowledge it. It's there. This is a problem. I don't feel it. So you're already, you've already taken your first step. God, I don't feel you. And God is like, good. Now we're getting somewhere. Okay. Admit it. You can tell him, God, you know, I'm sitting here. I don't feel you. I know that you're there. I know you exist. I don't feel you. I'm exhausted. I'm, I'm tired. I need you to do all of the work right now. And I'm just going to rest right here and forget everything else. And you know what the Lord says when you say that? Okay. Okay. You can rest right here. You don't have to do anything else. You don't have to go anywhere else. You don't have to prove anything else. That's enough. And isn't it great that we can do that? I don't have to work and I don't have to go all over the place and jump and, and hey, hey, I don't have to do that to get his attention. When I whisper his name and my voice is familiar to him and your voice is familiar to him and you say, Lord, he immediately says, what? You called me? You need something? You need, you need me? Okay, I, I got you. What do you need? It's true. That's exactly what he does. You don't have to work to get his attention. We think we do, but we don't. It's possible, as I said earlier, to be thirsty for God 
and see God and serve God and not sense how near he is to you. And instead, you feel his absence. And that results in us feeling troubled. So when I go through these days, when I, I don't feel him, I'm not going to beat myself up over it. I'm not going to knock myself out. I'm not going to give up and say, God's not here. I don't feel him. So I, it, doesn't, it, it doesn't matter. I don't feel him. I'm not going to say that. You know what? I'm going to remind myself that feelings and emotions are undependable. We have a little saying at school because we are always looking at, you know, test scores, even, even as young as first grade. I teach first grade. And we're looking at these kids' test scores and their data, and I'm like, oh, oh my goodness. So I'm looking at this score, and I'm like, but I know this child, and I know this, and, and I have to be reminded, well, these are the facts, and facts don't have feelings. And the first time I heard that, I was like, oh, that's really mean. Facts don't have feelings. But the more I got to thinking about it, you know what? That's true. Facts don't have feelings. So right now, whatever I'm feeling, if it's me feeling like I'm not close to God, if it's me feeling like he's not there, that's not a fact, okay? The facts are God is there. The facts are he loves you. The facts are he hasn't walked away from you. The facts are you are not forsaken. The facts are he's still on the throne. And those facts override any feelings that you might have. The facts tell me that he's still there. The facts tell me that I'm going to make it. So regardless of how you feel, God is there. Don't just trust your feelings. Trust what you know. Trust what you know. If the Bible tells me that he will never leave me or forsake me, my feelings don't matter because this is what the word says. This, that's what it says. If it says that he goes with you and he walks before you and he sets a path before you, if it says that he's going to set a table in front of your enemies, don't all of a sudden wake up in a bad mood one day and say, oh, God doesn't love me. He, 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 mm-mm, nope. Because those are your feelings. But the facts say you're not alone and you never will be. Whether you feel him in your car if you're driving down the road headed to work, in your living room, in your bedroom, in the prayer room, or if you don't even feel him at all, God is here in the midst. Right here tonight, wherever we are, because the Bible says where two or three are gathered, and that is not a conversation about the quantity of people. That is just saying, hey, when you come together in agreement, I'm going to be right there in the middle. When you come together, you and one other person, here I am, Lord. Lord, he's like, I'm I'm there. Okay, here y'all are. Y'all are praying. Okay, guess what? I see y'all in unity. I'm going to join you. Look at how many people are here tonight. That looks like some unity to me. It looks like the Lord is here. So thank God for his presence. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where we are. God is in our presence. And all I've got to do is know that he is alive. And I can just reach for him. And I can tell him. I don't have to be ashamed to tell him, God, I may not feel you right now, but I don't have to because I know that you're here. I know that you're here. You told me in your word that when I'm here, you're here. So I'm here. doesn't matter what I'm feeling. You're here. I know you're here because I know you. 
So most of us are acquainted with physical thirst, right? Like we live in Louisiana, so we know that we're getting to what I like to call the, the sweaty months. I mean, it's, it, it, we're about to be real hot, okay? It's hot. But it, maybe you did not know this. Apart from just a few parts of our body, we are made of 80% water. 80% of your body is made of water. And if we don't drink enough fluid, some really crazy things start to happen to us. You can lose your ability to have coherent thoughts. You can't think straight. Um, vital organs will start to wrinkle. If you imagine like a raisin, yeah, that's super gross. And, and for us ladies, I'm not even going to go there. Y'all heard me say the word wrinkles and y'all are like, mm, where are you going? Nope, we're not talking about that. Amen. Um, but our skin grows clammy because um, there's not enough fluid. My eyes need fluid to blink so I can see. My mouth needs moisture so I can swallow. My glands need sweat to keep my body cool. My, my, my mom, once again, who is a nurse, has always said, if you're outside and it's really hot and you're not sweating, something is wrong. You have not drank enough water. She's the, the water police. Um, so you, you know that your body does all these things. Your, cell, your cells need water um, so that your blood can carry all of your blood cells to keep you healthy. And your joints need fluid so they can be lubricated so you can move. Okay, that's, we know this. Without water, I'm not going anywhere. Let me just put it to you like that, okay? If my body does not have water, I'm laid up somewhere because I'm, I'm very sick. So, right, I'm talking about my physical thirst, but I'm going to go to my spiritual thirst in just, just a second. God actually made us with a low fluid indicator. And I know that my husband is back there so proud of me. He's like, yes, she knows that there's a light on her dashboard. If it lights up, something is wrong. And then his phone's going to ring because I'm like, hey, something's wrong with my car. Um, so he's, he's like, yes, she knows it. But when my car does not have enough fluid, there's a little red light that pops up. I think it kind of looks like a boat. Is that correct? He's nodding his head, yes. Okay, um, so that means my car does not have enough fluid. And that's my car's way of telling me, hey, um, I'm going to need you to turn me off and go park somewhere because it's not safe to drive me right now. And oh, stop, stop. Don't, no more driving. No more. So when my fluid level gets low, this is how I know. Brother Britain a couple of weeks ago, preached about um, low oil in your car. So I figured I'd kind of stay in that same vein, trying to impress um, my husband and my pastor because they're car people. So when my fluid level is low, my low fluid indicator, you know what it does? It slams doors. And it really wants to tell people what I think about them. That's what it does. It is the kind of indicator that can run somebody off in five seconds flat. I really, really, really want to be nice, but there's no fluid. Okay? So physical thirst leads to dry mouth, headache, all that other stuff. My body tells me, your body will tell you when you are physically thirsty and you need to pick up a bottle of water and take a few sips. But when you are spiritually deprived and your soul needs to be refilled, it will tell you without water, without fluid, without the presence of God, your soul is going to send you some desperate messages. And those desperate messages include, but are not limited to, bad tempers, worry, fear, 
anxiety, guilt, condemnation. And not from other people, condemnation from yourself. You're going to make your own self feel bad. Hopelessness, sleeplessness. Anybody, anybody feel that? Do you think that God wants you to live that way? Do you think that it's God's will for you to just be irritated all the time? Do you think it's God's will to feel alone all the time? Loneliness is what is driving some people into depression. Loneliness is what's causing you being able to sleep at night. Loneliness can cause you to make bad choices and push boundaries. And I've heard somebody say, everybody in my family, you know, we just, it, it's, in, it's in our genes. Everybody in my family has, we, we suffer from anxiety. It's just, it's something that we, that we deal with. We live with it. And I'm like, no, that's eye color. That's what runs in your genes, okay? Maybe bad ankles might run in your family. Maybe high cholesterol or even a receding hairline. But just to accept the fact that I'm going to have anxiety because my mom or my dad or my grandma or whoever else in my family has anxiety, Friends, I'm sorry, but I'm going to come against that right now. I, I, I come against that because I do not serve a God who passes down anxiety like it's blue eyes or brown eyes or green eyes. I don't accept that. And we have the ability and the power to take authority over that kind of lie because I'm sick and tired of seeing God's people crippled over something that can be overcome. The reality is... That we are human beings. And yes, our strength is very limited. And no, please don't think that I'm trying to imply that anxiety is not real. Please don't think that I'm saying that you better not ever get exhausted. I'm not saying that because that's not possible. Okay? You're human. I'm human. Every single person in this room, under the sound of my voice, has emotions. And we have gloomy days. Sometimes we wake up on the wrong side of the bed. Do you know why? Not because something's wrong with you, because you're human. That's exactly why. Everybody has those days. And emotions are inevitable. Yes, that is true. But they are not unquenchable. We must view the pains of our heart not as struggles to endure, but as a thirst that needs to be satisfied. So when you worry, not if, because that means it might not happen. I'm going to say when, because that means it's going to happen. When you worry, you can run arms wide open to the Father and say, hey, I'm worried. And you know what he's going to do? He's going to wrap you in his arms, and he's going to say, I know. I, there's something going on, and uh, I can see it. You're, you're dehydrated. You, you, need, you need to be refilled. And you can just, you can tell, you don't have to be ashamed to tell them. I've, I've heard people say, well, I don't know what to pray, and I don't know what to say, and I don't know what to, you don't have to come up with this fancy um, Webster's Dictionary version of a prayer. Tell him, hey, God, I'm stressed out. I'm tired. I've got a headache, and your people are getting on my nerves, and I need you to come do something because this, Lord, this, this is a lot. And he's not going to judge you and say, don't talk to me that way. He says, come to me. 
Come to me as you are. Come to me with your stress. Come to me with your worries. Come to me with your exhaustion. Come to me with your headache. Come to me with the drama. Go to him. Let me, let me, let me stop before pastor tells me I can't preach some more. Go to him before you go to somebody else. Okay? He will take it and he won't spread it. You can tell him, Lord, some people's children, and he'll say, okay, tell me who. And then you don't have to tell anybody else because you told the Lord, okay? And it can, it, it'll end right there. Amen. When you worry, you can go to him. He will pour into you. Deep calls unto deep, yet will I praise him. Now, it takes discipline. It's going to take a good slice of your day to intentionally pursue God and have a prayer life. Okay, if the only time I'm praying is when I come to church on Sunday and I go spend my little 10, 15 minutes in the prayer room, I'm not doing enough. And I'm talking to Melissa right now. If that's my only quiet time with God, God is, he's tired of me because he's like, why do you get up at 530 in the morning and go straight to doing everything else when all I want is five minutes, 10 minutes? That's all I need. That's all I need. Instead of rolling over and grabbing my phone, how about I roll over and say, Lord, thank you for waking me up again. Lord, thank you for giving me another day. You didn't have to, but I thank you. So whatever you have for me to do today, please let me do it with excellence. Please let me do it unto you. Please let me have a good attitude about it. Instead of checking social media, take that moment. I'm talking to myself. Take that moment and talk to him. It takes discipline. A couple of months ago, I was, I think I might have told a couple of y'all, um, for sure my husband knows, there was like a whole two weeks in a row where I set my clock to wake up, and you know like when you wake up and you're like, it's too dark outside, so I don't think I should be awake right now, what time is it? So I'd roll over, i check my phone, and it's 4.30, I don't get up at 4.30, I see one 4.30, and it's 4.30 p.m., um, so I'm like, nope, mm -mm. roll back over, going back to bed. Clock went off, started my day, whatever. Next day, next morning, same thing. I wake up. It's too dark outside. I check my phone. It's like 428. And I'm like, this is really annoying. So I go back to bed. So the third day, yes, it, it did take me three days to finally realize, okay, Lord, I think you're trying to Tell me something. I checked my phone on that third day. It's 425. So every day he's like, I'm going to wake you up just a couple of minutes earlier to really be like, hey, excuse me. I'm trying to talk to you. I need you to notice. So finally the third day I said, okay, Lord, I don't know what you need. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. Don't know. So I'm going to, I guess, get out of the bed. <laughs> and I'm going to get on the side of the bed and I'm going to pray. And I did. And the next morning... Didn't set my clock, checked my phone. I woke up and it was 4.30. Okay, Lord. So what I'm going to start doing is I'm going to start setting my clock for 4.30 because apparently this is our meeting time. You have set an appointment. And that went on for like two months of just 4.30, 4.30. I didn't need my alarm because he woke me up. You've got to have that time with God so that way your prayer life is stronger. It's easy to say, Sunday I'm going to get a blessing, and hopefully it'll last me until Tuesday. I mean, I hope so. If I did that when I was thirsty, if, if it's Wednesday and I'm like, okay, I'm fine. I should be, I'm going to drink this bottle of water, and I should be good until like Friday or Saturday. 
um, I'm going to be a very sick person, and so will you. You've got to drink, not just water, but you've got to hydrate that which is dying in you. And I, I, was, I was reading the scripture to get ready for tonight, and I'm like, okay, I, I get to the New Testament, and even Jesus, okay, Jesus told his disciples, I'm going to go away, and I'm going to pray. And I don't want you to listen. I'm going to take some time out for me right now. And I know, I know I'm the son of God, but I've got to rest this flesh. Jesus himself, he said, if this flesh is going to be a channel through which the power of God can flow and make a difference in the world, if I'm going to be this salt shaker that you've made that's going to flavor everything around me and bring life and bring taste, then I've got to get away from y'all from a little while. So tonight... Be like Jesus and get away. When are you going to get away? When are you going to just drop everything and give it all to him? All of it to him. Every thought, every fear, every worry, every stress, every work situation, every family situation, everything. When are you going to give it all to him? I think tonight would be a good start. Why don't we stand? So has anybody ever taken a big bucket and filled it full of water and then dropped it on the ground? Maybe? No? Okay. Have you ever seen, like, have you ever dropped a glass full of something? What happens to the liquid inside of it? It goes everywhere, right? Anywhere there's like a crack or an opening, that's where that liquid's going to go, okay? Water just, whatever, it's, it's going to flow. Um, you can't tell that water, hey, stop flowing out of that crack in that bucket. Stop coming out of the top of that glass. It's not going to listen to you because that's not what water does. When I drink water, I don't take a sip and, and say, okay, all right, now this much is going to go to my scalp. And then this much is going to go to my lungs. And this much is going to go to my muscles. And this, I don't tell it where to go. It goes where it needs to go. So tonight... Whatever you're going through, whatever you're feeling, Jesus knows exactly where he needs to go. He knows which part of your heart needs him. He knows which part of your mind needs him. He knows exactly which area in your brain with those thoughts that have been eating you up, keeping you awake at night, stressing you out, making you crazy. He knows exactly how to get there and he knows how much you need. All you've got to do is drink. All you've got to do is ask, Lord, I need you. You know exactly what I need. You know the situation. You know my struggle. You know my problem. So now do what you do. And right now, God is calling you. He's calling us. And tonight, I just, I challenge you to listen to your heart. Wherever you need to go right now, if it's the altar, if it's your pew, if it's the middle aisle, if it's wherever, it doesn't matter. But right now, I just feel like God is bringing us into a place where he wants to flow through and he wants to heal like only he can. I don't know your situation. I don't know your struggles. I don't know what you go through. I don't know what's keeping you awake. I don't know. I don't know. And I don't need to know because he knows. 
Thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that it changes and impacts your life for days to come. If you would like to connect with us further, give us a like on Facebook at facebook.com slash Centerpoint Pentecostal Church or just search Centerpoint Pentecostal Church on Facebook. If you would like to join one of our services in person, the service times and address are in the podcast description. Thank you and God bless, and we hope to see you on the next episode.